0: You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. (laughs) Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals and across the table from me is Wayne Wayne Randolph. Randolph. I knew you were going to say that, you know why? How did you know? Because since the foundations of the universe, you were predestined to say that.
1: You knew me in my mother's womb? That's weird.
0: <laughs> I think time travel would need to be necessary for me to know you in your mother's womb.
1: <laughs> this, this, this episode's starting crazy, dude. What are we doing? <laughs>
0: um, hey, you know that phrase, um, uh, all roads lead to heaven? Yes. Um, in Bible class, I found that the, the actual... <laughs> Um, a way that that phrase should be said is all roads lead to foreknowledge.
1: I am so excited that we're talking about this, Chris. Yeah,
0: the, the, or that
1: no, I'm sorry. We always talk about this. Yeah, I'm so excited we're recording this. Yeah,
0: um, it's if you have taught uh, teenagers or college age students in uh, spiritually stuff. One of the things, especially the more are more cognitively processing yeah. students and kids. One of the things that tends to bring up the most trouble is this idea of. The future. Yeah. And to what extent does God know it? To yes. what extent does God cause it? Yes. And all of that. And what? Is
1: he a, is he a puppet master yeah. pulling strings, or is he sitting back, letting us do whatever we want? And...
0: yeah. And what? What I think is crazy <laughs> is that almost any subject, whatever you're talking about, can get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and let, hence
1: the joke. Everything. All roads lead exactly. to four dollars. So let's pick
0: a random. Pick a random Bible story.
1: Um. Uh, Joseph and his dream
0: coat. Okay, Joseph and his dream coat, right? Uh, what we see is that even though all of this bad stuff happened, what ended up happening in the end?
1: It all worked out. It all worked people out. People got dreams yeah. about stuff, and yep. it's like they already knew.
0: Um, and at the end, he says, what you intended for evil, God intended. God intended
1: for good. That's how Genesis closes. That's how, that's how it closes. <laughs> and so then the question... Needs to be asked. We didn't plan that. That was great. No. The, the, so
0: the question needs. To, then the the student would raise their hand and then say, "Well, uh, Mr. Randolph, does that mean God made his brothers beat him and throw him in a whale in a yes. well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sarcasm. Did, did did God did God make Potiphar's wife try to seduce him? Because mm. if it wasn't for that, then his plan wouldn't have worked out. Did God do all of these things to
1: Joseph? Did God cause the famine? Right. Because right? he prophesied about it. Yeah. Did, did God cause this destruction and cause a whole bunch of people to die? Right. And so even in the conversation, one Uh-oh. of the, Yeah, <laughs>
0: one of the first issues that, that needs to be navigated with these students is this idea of, okay, what does God cause? Mm. Right And, and this, this is where mm. it gets trippy is because hey, wait, this, this. If, we get, if we get too like thinking from a, a ministry standpoint, Like you, you, if you have a kid who experienced rape, if you had a kid whose parents got divorced, did God make their parents get divorced? Did God make them?
1: Did did, God um, give my aunt cancer? Right. Did God do that? Right. And and so like I'd love to say uh, it's above my pay grade, but this is our job, right.
0: That's what's crazy. Yeah. So it's not even, and then even if you're able to get to a place, like, so there, there's multiple rows and we can talk about like how we teach this. Um, but even after that, even if he didn't cause it, then the question arises. So let, let's say that we explain somehow and then they're like, no,
1: God did not cause um, uh, mass genocide. Can I, can I give the next rebuttal then? Yeah. We didn't practice this, right? Right. Okay. Um, then my student would say, okay, so if he didn't cause it, he let it happen. Yeah but he let it happen.
0: Yeah. If he he let it happen. And and that's more about his omnipotence and if we want to take it further like with his omniscience, if he knew it was going to happen and then still allowed it. That seems right?
1: that seems counterintuitive because we yeah. have like phenomenal quotes like, you know, if anybody like sees these horrible things happening and doesn't do anything about it, like you are condoning that behavior, right? Like silence condones behavior. Right. Um and so yeah, when we <laughs> we use that criteria and put it on to God, then Whoops. Yeah. So he, he's either a jerk who caused it or yeah. a jerk that let it happen. And then, like, and he's a jerk who ha- is loving, who purports to be love and has all this power but doesn't do anything about it.
0: Right. And then we have these interesting, like, other explanations. and Or maybe a student will be like, so then if God's not culpable or if he uh, – did he just not know, mm. which raises all sorts of other questions, that right? That in another podcast. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And then you have – man –
0: we got really it, deep, really fast on it this did, one. It did,
1: yeah. I just and then my, my heart just <laughs> broke for a second because then, and then you, then you have brothers and sisters per using the same adjective, calling themselves Christian and and professing Christ, who like in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, mm. you know, use their place of authority and, and position and and their platform to say that this was God's condemnation of of an entire group of people based on sexual orientation. Right. right. Or, well, that, not. let's not forget the feminists. It's also their fault. Oh, well. They were lumped into. Okay. So they're equal, <laughs> equal opportunity. I don't know. No. Um, yeah. So you, you, mm-hmm. and then, you know, so think about that. So we, we have that in the classroom or if you're a youth pastor, mm-hmm. you know, doing it with a group of students who come from a variety of backgrounds without having to maybe push one, one aspect of mm. of our family when it comes to God's foreknowledge, um, how how do we, yeah. how do we navigate some of these talks? Oh, yeah. uh, um, my guess is, Chris, for this episode, it it may be best for us to maybe at least identify the things that we shouldn't yeah. uh, attribute to God anymore or yep. His foreknowledge. Um, so at least at least we can start at a at a healthier place. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to start with that. Um, I don't think God caused Katrina because yeah. of um, homosexuality is that okay sure all right cool
0: yeah i'm okay with that all right thanks um <laughs> i think that been building up for years yeah well i didn't really know that until now so i'm glad you dispelled uh, it was,
1: uh, i think it was, it was either jerry that is the late or, jerry Falwell. Yeah. yeah um
0: i i think um one of the things that is is in c.s lewis's mere christianity which like I read Mere Christianity when I was in high school and I was like, cool, this is like basic Christian doctrine and then I've returned to it in college and I was like, whoa, this is deep and now I've I've returned to it again as an adult mm. and I, I I'm finding I'm finding layers upon layers in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Um and one Thank of the Thank
1: you for adding another book to my list yeah. <laughs> to
0: reread. I love um, you. I I one of the things I admire is he has a whole chapter on time hmm. and God's relationship with time and like, if I'm completely honest, I don't necessarily agree with C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I, n- I know that makes me um, anathema to the church if I don't agree with C.S. Lewis on
1: Except, certain things. Except, I think, Relevant <laughs> Magazine, like the last year, basically said, like, if C.S. Lewis was alive today, um, based on criteria for heresy, that the mainstream church would call him a heretic. Right, so. exactly. So, you're okay either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't write a, a, a
0: novel about people getting on a bus from hell going to heaven and— Still be considered mainstream. He's anyway, a
1: universalist, yeah, he's <laughs> hippie.
0: So C.S. Lewis, um, in his book *Mere Christianity*, has a whole chapter on the theory of time um, and how God relates to it. And in the beginning of it, he just flat out says, "This chapter is answering a question that some of you have not thought about. If you have not thought about this question, please <laughs> yeah, skip to the next skip chapter. The chapter, yeah, skip to skip to the next chapter. Yeah, and,
1: it's it's, uh, it's Instant existential crisis. Yeah, And I think that for –
0: this is as teachers and as individuals, like even just having conversations, I think there are some people who don't really care about God's relationship with time. They don't even want to think wife. about
1: – Yeah. And I say that with all kinds of love. Like as soon as the topic comes up, she's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. She's like, is it cool if I just like love God? Is it, is it cool if I just like follow him because it seems like he knows what he's talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and I think I remember in my youth thinking like this is the – how could people not care about mm. this? And I went to a Christian school. And right. so naturally, like I was part of that group that cared okay. about this issue. Okay. Right. And so I remember with my friends thinking like, let's talk about this. And the vast majority of them were on the same page with me, the, my Men for Christ Bible study group as a Ooh, senior. Shout out. I hope
1: one of you is listening. To Probably not.
0: <laughs> um, but I, I remember talking with them about it. But then I went and I talk to people who didn't care about that. I had an assumption in my head. Mm. You're not like you don't care you don't care about god you're, you're not, not all, all in. in yeah if you're not willing to like get down and do this hard philosophical work and really you're think not about on fire. it yeah <laughs> absolutely and i think what i've mm. realized is like no this is this is not the center of the gospel god's relationship with time is not the center of the gospel
1: i love that you're bringing that up i mean even in light of one of our uh recent podcasts on grading and just how we do stuff in the classroom you you mentioned about scaffolding and mm. and, and meeting students where they're at and um yeah, if you're still just trying to figure out this whole God thing, you know, trying trying to dive deep into the realm of what God knows. Yeah. Um you you might be jumping into the deep end with without your your floaties. Yes.
0: And so maybe maybe this is where we insert the I guess C.S. Lewis note here. If you are a if you are a student um or if you're a person who isn't in charge of like necessarily teaching this topic to others, then I don't know. You might not want to listen to the rest of this. You probably do, yeah. um, but you might not want to if this is a question that totally is not important to you. Yeah. However, if you are someone who does need to teach this, if you don't actually take this question seriously, then you might be ostracizing an entire contingent hurt, of your you faith, of people. our faith community.
1: Yeah. And if you are going to continue to listen, please don't listen in hopes that we're going to give you the definitive answer. At the no, end I will. As well, oh, I'll write a book. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so um chris this this was um almost like a baptism by fire for me mm. when I started teaching here a couple years ago. Um, my other school you know I, I came in almost er well a little arrogant like okay i I'm, I'm a veteran I, I I've been in the classroom, I know kids, I know the youths yeah. you know and I, I know their I know their lies and their tricks and their sorcery oh, whatever <laughs> um, and so I came in really thinking that I understood kind of youth ministry and and, and the culture and what i What I walked into was a very different culture than I had experienced before Mm. uh, and found myself having to um, have these um, conversations with you again Mm. and with other teachers Mm. and dust off way old notes from college. Because reality is um, I'm actually one of those people um, to a degree uh, who that first disclaimer would work for. Um, I'm not going to say that I don't care because I'm not flippant about this topic, but it wasn't one that like my salvation wasn't, my salvation wasn't like linked to this, this topic. Right. Um, And what I noticed quickly um, here at the school, especially two years ago, was that there, this this was big for a lot of kids. I mean, this is like almost like a deal breaker for some kids. Yeah. I I had a student um, last, at the end of the school year last year, like, Like in panic, like in crisis, because she felt as if she had to pick between one of the two camps. And the dominant kind of two camps out there is either God... God chooses you or you choose him. And and oftentimes, I don't know if we intentionally present it this way, but oftentimes the way that it's interpreted by our students is right. that it's a zero sum game. Yep. That, it's, that you have to choose one or the other. And this girl literally was like freaking out about um, like her position with God and all these things. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm finding myself having to almost like this Christian self help, like I'm giving her all these verses, like just reminding her of God's character. Yeah. That, like, although you're freaking out here and you're wondering if this is like, again, contingent or, or Uh, coupled with your salvation.
0: Yeah.
1: Like here's these other verses that remind us that like nothing can separate us. And we're kind of having to have these talks. I'm like, I'm finding myself kind of regurgitating some Christian stuff to her just to make her feel good to even explore it. You know what I mean? So this this is a big deal. And, and, you know, I, I kind of share some of that almost confession, like that, you know, I was a little flippant in the beginning with Mm. with some students like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal, but that's not true. It is a big deal to them. Um, and so the way that we model exploring this topic, mm-hmm. and, and how we and where we point them to in this topic um, is very important. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely important, right? Yep. Even if we're not giving those definitive answers. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is if we're, if we're going to make
0: a list of things not to do, um, I think another thing not to do is only present one side and say that this is the only way that you can be a Christian is yeah. by buying into this view. Because right. eventually they will interact with another part of the Christian community mm. and then either think that you lied to them or, or then they they'll treat the other part of the Christian family as... I don't know, heretics. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Um, just to jump in there. Um, something that, that seems to be a theme that we discuss often in our podcasts is when we're talking about uh, topics is even knowing where to like put them categorically. Right. Um, and so th- this isn't, um, to use some of the language that we've used in the past and, and obviously people before us have used, but this isn't an, an A-level argument or, 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 a, or a, this isn't. I'm going to be careful because I'm sure some might disagree. But it, it's not necessarily a salvation right. issue in terms well, of if I have the right theological outlook, then I get salvation. Right. And I
0: think even the most uh, soteriologically reformed of Ooh, people— a,
1: I was avoiding that word. <laughs> <laughs> but like—so
0: like the, the most—probably what people on the street would— people on the street, people on the street don't talk about this people in the, in the Bible classroom street. um, They would just call it hardcore Calvinist, which like is not necessarily accurate because Calvinism talks about other things too. So soteriology meaning the study of how one is saved. So soteriologically reformed, reform being the tradition of Calvin. Calvin. So if you believe salvation stuff, so even uh, of Calvin, so even if you are hardcore soteriologically reformed meaning <laughs> that God predestines the elect and also predestines the damned. Even if that is the case, their own belief doesn't say you need to believe in predestination to be the elect. That's right. Right. And yeah. so they, they would just be like, okay, well you're wrong about how election works, but you're elect
1: still yeah. because yeah, you, you believe in, in Christ and you've trusted him. Yeah. So yeah? I, I think, um, gosh, there, there's, there's, I guess thing number one, potentially yeah. okay. um, when this topic comes up, Um, you've already heard us say, you know, like take it serious because somebody else is um, reminded that as teachers we have a great responsibility. Um, But I think it is important that we start from the beginning with our students or our adults. Anybody having this conversation, and that we acknowledge from the get-go potentially our limitations in understanding these things, Um, uh, and then the follow-up would be that this 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 is not an A-level. Like deal breaker. Right. Um, this this is not the same talk as whether or not the resurrection happened. Yep. Or you know the deity of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so it, because and I, man, I, I really am saying that from my heart right now because I think of this student again um, at the end of the year. That just just a very sweet, nice student, just a good human being. Um, for her to to have there was like a look of fear hmm. on her face. And and so again, like I said, I I caught myself having to do all these disclaimers and do all these things. And so. Um, because if if they feel if the student feels or i guess just any human feels that their salvation is wrapped up in this in them subscribing to the right theory right we've we've we 've done something wrong yeah so 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 start by putting it on the right scale <laughs> yep yeah,
0: and I think in regards to putting it on the right scale, I think not only say its level of importance um to i guess the the life of faith, but I think also putting it in the right scale as far as far as the breadth of what this topic then necessarily includes mm. is also important because I think that sometimes um, the student just wants the quick easy answer and be like, well, are you a Calvinist or are you an Arminian or are you an open theist? Which, by the way, those are like those are usually the camps that pop up. And then there's um, the William Lane Craig fans Molin. in the house who like the Molinism that. Yeah. The philosophical in the middle. Love you, chorizo. Yeah, miss you. Um, But I I think that one of the things that I'll do, sort of intentionally, when a student wants a quick, flippant answer, um, I will just say, not flippant. You said flippant, so maybe it's stuck in my head. But a quick, like easy. You're also Filipino. That's true. Well, if, if they want the quick and easy answer, um, then I'll say, okay, if we're getting into this issue, we have to talk about time. And then I'll talk about, um, two theories of time, temporal Love becoming, it. or if time is this static four dimensional cube. Um, and then we'll talk about are like, their eyes,
1: even at that point Are their eyes already glazed over. Right. They're and
0: like, then, wait, what? <laughs> and then, yeah. How does God, if, if God created the universe at the big bang, whether you believe it's 6,000 years ago or, um, what is it? 13.8 billion years ago. Um, if God created time and space at the big bang, well then what does that mean about how God exists, um, without time? Um, and then if we are in time, how does God relate with those who are in time? Um, at this point,
1: the kids like walking away because they are pissed that they asked you the question. Yeah. And,
0: and so like, but the ones, but it's so good
1: that you're doing that. Yeah.
0: And and the ones who, who care, they realize, okay, I'm going to need to chew on this for the next 20 years of my Mm. life. And then still not have an answer because there's all that time stuff. But then on, on top of that, there's also, okay, well, what is salvation? Like, how corrupt are we? How broken are we? Mm. How much of the original image of God that was impressed on our souls? How much of that still remains for our ability to choose Him? Can we choose Him? Are we Is there totally depraved? In that
1: would choose Him. Yeah. But, yeah,
0: like all of these questions surface, and then even on top of that, there's <laughs> like, okay, well, how do we read the Bible, yep. right? Um, yep. And and Paul uses the strong vocabulary about being elect, but then we have
1: to look at the Old Testament and say, well, what were people... Wow, that people, word is used a lot in the Old Testament. Right, yeah. what were
0: people elected for, yeah. right? Um, was it to... Which is, expect, that's
1: just good. I mean, that's this is what we do when we're teaching them exegesis, like make the observation. So it says elect, there should be kind of this yep. this question that comes with it. Well, mm-hmm. elect for what? Like, yeah. well, why do we... This is kind of something I, I present. And, I, and I, I do come from a more Arminiist background, but I, I, I don't care necessarily yeah. um, in terms of, like, loyalty to a camp. Right. I don't care. <laughs> um, but that's one of my things, too, is, like, how, how do you come to the conclusion so quickly that mm-hmm. elect, anytime you see elect or predestined, that it's automatically for
0: Not burning for in salvation, hell. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's... And
1: even even our idea of salvation, then, like, we can
0: push the students on that and say, is does salva- what does salvation mean? Yeah. Is salvation just not burning in hell for eternity? Or is there something more to it Yeah, if that's a playing religion yeah exactly
1: one of the things you said there Chris I want to make sure our listeners um, hear as well um, is that as we start this conversation that you you are painting this bigger picture of Mm. of what a big conversation this is that they are maybe they're just now arriving to the table but that this is a conversation that has literally been going on for hundreds of years yeah um, and and we're still in a way we're still in a way having the same conversation yeah Um, so again that's cool for me because it tells me man the definitive answer maybe is more elusive than we think. Right. And so we're going to have fun wrestling with this. And we, we, we like tension and we talk about that a lot. But, but yeah, you're jumping into a discussion that for hundreds of years our brothers and sisters before us have been wrestling with. And they still yeah. kind of are like, Meh. <laughs> yep. and, and
0: what I always think—what I think is funny, I remember in college reading The Openness of God um, by Clark Pinnock was one of the I, the pioneers of open theism, which— mm. What's open theism, just open, uh, for people that yeah, maybe don't know? Open, theum, open Can theism— Can you do that
1: in 60 seconds? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um,
0: let's try. Um, we're at Without making 20 minutes. Without making open Ready, go. cringe. <laughs> um, <laughs> open theism is, uh, to an extent, within Christian orthodoxy, the, the other end, on the other side of Calvinism. Uh, so soteriologically, we choose God to yeah. an extent. He woos us, but— there, there's still choice there. Um, also, our actions have consequence. God did not preordain our actions. Um, but then the wild card is that the future is open, um, that the future is in flux. Uh, they, they would affirm, and, and I believe it's an A theory of time, that there's a, such a thing as temporal becoming. And so in order for someone to say that God knows the future with absolute certainty, you're sort of saying that he knows something that isn't there to know because the future isn't like which, it just,
1: which just blew up somebody's head because God knows everything.
0: Right, exactly. And he does, and so the open theist would still affirm orthodoxy and say God knows everything. However, the future— He knows
1: everything that he can know.
0: Yeah, the future is is still in flux, and so he cannot know everything about it. Now, they would also say prophecy is still a thing because God, as an omnipotent being, can still impose his will and do what he wants. So the prophecies he can still fulfill and make them happen when he wants to. Um, and that's why he can still predict them because he can make stuff happen. However, his view of the future in allowing people free will and since the future has not does not exist yet, yeah. he he's open to it.
1: And cool. Yeah, that was, that was, that's good. And I, so what I hear is if you are in the Wesley Arminius camp, um, this is kind of like. Um, walking about a mile away or whatever the distance. Right. It's, it's like it's, it's coming from that camp, but then just taking, taking some of the ideas. Further, and some verses in scripture that seem to give us trouble, like God repenting and regretting. Yeah, and, in in Jonah, um, the
0: actual verbiage is God repented of evil.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which is, but he, Hebrew is semantically poor, and so like we have to be careful with...
1: And some of the other like theological, like um, I guess, camps out there do some things really, really well. Um, but they seemingly have kind of glossed over some of those, um, some of those texts. And, right. and one of the things I appreciate about our, our open theist brothers and sisters is, is their desire to reconcile some of those verses. Yeah, in the um, text. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like sometimes it comes at the expense of others. And, but that's theology, right? right. And which is why we don't, we don't rest in one camp, hopefully. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just one camp. Yep. When you hear the word predestination, what do you think of? I think of coward. Why?
0: Because I feel like the people who believe in that are just living their life scared of like being raptured or not.
1: Stupid. Why? <laughs> I find it, okay. Can I change my answer? Yeah, I need to think about this, okay. Um, it makes you think that God already had a set plan for me and that I really have no control. But, you know, sometimes the whole free will thing gets kind of confusing, like, hella confusing. But you know what? I also think of Amelia because she knows what she's talking about, so. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. <sighs> the first word I think about is, well, the first three words are, what the heck. Um, it's such a widely debated topic, and I still don't really know what to think about it. While predestination is something that seems completely out of God's character, um, there's still viable evidence and arguments
0: for it. And and that's also important, is that if the, if the view is rooted in Scripture, um, and not just rooted in Scripture, right, because um, people who are outside of orthodoxy can quote Scripture as well, right. um, but if the view is rooted, I mean, in an understanding of God and Scripture, then... We, we will give it attention, right provided that it doesn't contradict the creeds and all of that and so I think one thing that I've learned in teaching this um is so in the past you you alluded to our our former um the former teacher here who um yeah, you came Gabriel. in after Gabriel. Yeah. Um, he uh, was was soteriologically reformed um and so and some really smart yeah and really, really smart. smart and yeah. so, and so I, I don't know if this is This is just part of my personality, but, like, a lot of the things that I think and believe, or even the things that I teach, I I will do in response um, to what the current culture is. And so I'm, like, he's reformed, and so I will will fill in the gaps on the other side of the spectrum. And so it was fun. We had, like, this little interplay, and so I could just, like, teach open theism, teach the... the arminius view right um and And then then tell him
1: to go talk to uncle and and then be like yeah (laughs) let's talk to talk to gabriel and
0: then sometimes he and i would even have like not really debates but discussions about different aspects of those beliefs and like the student it was funny it would be like the students would like watch like "Ooh, Ooh, Pagel made a good point own seals or whatever which he usually did own me to be quite honest he's good um but i i think that as as you and I have then become the Bible department here, yeah. one of the things I've realized is that there's a necessity to now embody tension within myself. Right. Not like external tension between Pagel and I, but internal tension yeah, of that, my own wrestling with the issue. It's
1: nice that we have a lot of similar conclusions. Right. Um, but, yeah, finding the tension then between us. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Then having to, to model. So even for me, sometimes I will there's certain parts of Calvinism that I think are beautiful. Yep. And I, I will affirm those things. And yeah. there's like... God's
1: sovereignty. Yeah. Love for scripture. Uh-huh. yeah.
0: And Yeah. But then, like, the like personal responsibility and uh, our, the impact of our choices and the importance and the power of prayer, yeah. um, those sorts of things, on the open theist side, like, have so much power to mm. that side of the argument. And then... Um, which,
1: interestingly enough, uh, it's also... Open theism is known as, like, relational theism, right? right. Which Which is probably why... It is kind of beautiful in some right. of those areas, yeah.
0: And then in the middle, of the art. Every person that I've that has called themselves a Molinist, um, I already know they're going to be really smart because not a lot of people use that vocabulary, <laughs> though, and then not a lot of people understand Molinism. I actually
1: asked a a friend of mine who uh, teaches at a seminary, um, not too far from here, uh-huh. and he had never heard of Molinism. Yeah, but. there it is. <laughs> So, and that's and that's not. I don't I don't laugh any sort of like uh, in any sort of like arrogant way because uh-huh. I just learned what Molinism was when I stepped foot on this campus. Right,
0: and like the moment you start talking <laughs> about counterfactuals and like only knowing true statements and like all of I these, start
1: looking at trees. Yeah, when you start saying that, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but within, it's important,
0: yeah, but within that, I like I like the philosophical rigor of yeah. the, trying to reconcile scripture with what we observe to be reality. Right. Right. And so I think I'm able to affirm all of those aspects. So, so when it comes to teaching students, um, so whatever ministry you're in, yeah. I think one is letting people know how deep the pool is that they're about to step into. Great. Right. Yeah. So then,
1: this is not a quick answer. Yeah. There might not even be an answer.
0: Right. And then after that, <laughs> then teaching them and modeling for them. You have to learn to embrace tension as you yeah. enter. And maybe that's just me being postmodern or a millennial or whatever. That's but
1: Again, my, my mentor at my last school, old school Biola. Uh, he's a dispensationalist. He's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a baby boomer. Um, he, he is, on paper, everything opposite of me. One of my favorite people on the whole planet at mm. Newkirk. But that was his question always with me. Where's your tension at in your theology? Yep. And that was actually one of the first things where I felt comfortable um, sharing with him. I actually told him my tension right now is whether or not I can lose my salvation, hmm. which is a philosophical hang up that maybe we'll talk about in, in, a, in a moment right. uh, of the Arminiast uh, view. Um, but like just to be able to like say that, yeah, there's where my tension's at right now. And for him to like not just give me his reformed answer. Right. His, his answer was like, good, then you're pursuing God. Right. If you have tension, you're pursuing God. So, um Yeah, that's just my I guess my rebuke to you lovingly like it doesn't have to be postmodern bro like it's okay to have tension right I like you thank you I feel have tension Chris I feel
0: affirmed Um, but yeah (laughs) those are the wrong words that's fine (laughs)
1: Um,
0: I think that with um, so if we model that for students then one, we let them know how deep the water is, but then we also give them a floaty and say, like, here's the floaty. It's called tension. You're not going to know everything. You're not going to explore every inch of the ocean, um, but you won't die in this, yeah. um, and it's going to be okay.
1: And your floaty looks a lot like mine. We'll probably be you floating out there together hanging yeah. out, right? I mean, that's yeah. we're inviting them to to have that tension right. with Mine's us. shaped like a duck. Awesome. Insert duck sound. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do in post. Um, okay, so... Let's just kind of get, like, uh, I guess, a little strategic. So when the topic of – when we say God's foreknowledge again, uh, you know, like anything predestination, free will, what God knows, all of that kind of fits in that camp. When those talks start, we've already kind of told you what we think is at least what we've used and has worked for us, how to start navigating it. Um, And then I think when we start to actually look – I've never jumped right into Molinism, again, because I'm a neophyte. Um, So I jump into both camps. And so even I I teach a class on Romans, which our our Calvinist friends love.
0: Romans (laughs) 9.
1: Right? They love it. And for good reason. Because it's chock full of election uh, fodder. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would also say that us Arminiasts right. in that camp, we love Romans as well. And so when we get into it, and ultimately um, in Romans, I, I teach him with my juniors the, the doctrine of salvation, and we go through like kind of traditionally what the church views. Um, when it comes to this idea of election or choosing, um, I present both the the reformed uh, and the Arminius view. And by present, I mean a really quick, um, somewhat surface level, but we kind of give the basic tenets. Hmm. What I do show the kids, um, and again, trying to introduce and do everything kind of like we've been talking about, that it's not a zero-sum game, that there's good po- There's good things. We look at the good of both, um, and then we don't necessarily label it as like let's look at the bad of both, mm-hmm. um, but the way that I use it is um, philosophical or theological baggage. Right. And so... Um, one of the things that I, I want my kids to see that is if I believe or it does work out that I choose God, one of my hang-ups that I'm going to have, um, at least philosophically, is the ability to unchoose. Right. Can we unchoose? Right. And so that becomes something that I, as, as someone who, who subscribes to that theory, I have to deal with. Right. My, my Reformed brothers and sisters, um, they don't. Yeah. They don't have to worry. If God's chosen them, then they're um, chosen. They're chosen. Like he's not going to unchoose them. But what we have, what I what I present to them and, you know, I'm sure we'll get some people cringing here in a second, but um, it seems to be that the theological or philosophical hang up is that if God chooses some, he predestines some to be with him, then there's this idea of double predestination that he right. then has predestined some to hell. And there, there's some good philosophical kind of like word games you can play back and forth, but that's not something I have to worry about if I'm in this other camp, and so right. we present it as here's kind of two ways of looking at it. Here's the baggage with both, but either way, there's something in common. Right. Either way, um, there's relationship with God, right. and there is eternity with God, mm-hmm. which which seems to be part of the meta narrative that I see in Scripture yeah. that His desire is for eternity with us. Yep. Um, so we yeah we don't do it necessarily as pros and cons. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that. Um, it, Again, in an attempt to make sure that it's a conversation that continues to move, um, what I will do is then, like, I will do a, quite a bit of that back and forth, even with myself, yeah. right? Oh, or I, uh, if the student doesn't, half the throw, time I'm doing it for me, right? right? <laughs> I'm just
1: trying to figure out my theology. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so I'll
0: I'll throw up some things for some students, and if they if they throw out some objections. Um, back then that's great but if they stop then I'll throw out the objection that they should be saying mm-hmm. right like even in the idea of being able to un-choose God like if you un-choose God in the last 15 seconds of your life because you had a brain traumatic injury in a car crash um, does that mean you lost your salvation and then like again then we have to get into in what way does God interact with time if if time is just the, the fourth dimension to this static block um, then, then time kind of se- when right. seems kind of irrelevant that's right, right? Um, and so I think it's really important that we realize that this is this is not just like a, a little diamond with a few facets, but there no. there are hundreds of facets to this. And even in the facets, there, fa- there are other facets,
1: which is why we're still to this day talking about right. this one topic.
0: Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. It's almost
1: on par with like suffering. Yeah. <laughs> the problem of evil. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that that's the thing is as we dig into this,
0: it's... Um, I think something that's important to acknowledge is that there are different levels of of issues with all of these views as well, right? Like there there are biblical issues. And when I say biblical, I don't just mean that like it well no, I, I mean that there are things in the Bible that seem to contradict each of these views. That's right. Right? If if you're on the Calvinist um divine causal determinism um, if you want to call it that then you have you have the issue of and God changed his mind Mm -hmm. Um, I can't I used to have the number memorized it was either 32 or 42 um, times 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 in the Old Testament I
1: mean just in the Torah alone yeah, there's a ton.
0: Yeah, so he he changes his mind a ton, um, which then you have to like explain away those texts using anthropomorphism, well, and then you that's get
1: just man yeah. trying to make God like us us and to show the yeah. extent of his regret, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, all that. It might be true. Sure. I, mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I'll use the word again. I don't mean to say it so flippantly, but right, um, but but it, does, it it still leaves us wanting more, which is right. why we get things like open theism yeah. and,
0: <laughs> and then if you, if you're in any if you're in a non Calvinist camp, then you do have to deal with romans nine like he he makes some instruments for noble use and others for destruction or damnation, um or I think it's Ephesians one or two I think it's Ephesians one where he talks heavily about election and predestination though mm. for those he predestined, he also foreknew which right with which is predestination and foreknowledge, right? So you have to, you have these texts that you need to wrestle with. So there's the biblical side of it that needs to be discussed. There's the philosophical side of it that needs to be tested. There's the scientific side of it. Um, and when I say science, I I include God because God exists and is part of the system. Um, like he's, yeah. And so he's interacting with the system at least. And so we need to understand time and how God interacts with it. Um, and then we have last, I think there is the relational element, right? Mm. If God causes rape, then that like we need to tackle that issue. And like I've talked a
1: whole new like God that I need to like learn about. Right and if I, that's the case. And what, right? what I think that's, is, that's paradigm shift.
0: Right. And what I think is beautiful <laughs> about some of the Calvinists that I've talked to is they are able to just trust and mm-hmm. say, you know what? He knows. Like he gets it. Who am I as the creation to be able to say to God that like he shouldn't have done that? Mm-hmm. Um and I admire and yeah, respect that's right. and love that. I totally,
1: um, totally agree with that.
0: How, however, for, for the high school student who has been raped, it's, that's a hard message to preach. Now, and just because it's a hard message, again, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be said. But like, I think that the relational dynamic and how we interact oh, with the divine, <laughs> we, we really need to figure yeah. out, uh, we need to incorporate that. That's not something that can be ignored, yeah. right? That yeah. To what extent is that? And then on the flip side, for the the security-oriented um, student who thinks about the future and like finds great security in the fact that God knows everything that's going to go down in their life and is the one guiding and, and creating all of these scenarios. Like maybe to them, an open theist God is, is terrifying mm-hmm. that, that God would allow, allow their choices to have that much of an impact on yeah, the future. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know what to, I mean? To give them. So, and I think that's one of the arguments even from the Calvinist side, right? Is that we, we elevate ourselves too much. Those of right. us that subscribe to the free will theory, like right. that, I said free will theory. Free will (laughs) theory.
0: (laughs) The hypothesis.
1: Um, Hey, you know one of the things I think that has come out of this discussion, Chris, in the classroom with, especially, maybe not as much in the classroom, uh, as much uh, more like in like discipleship relationships. one of the things that I've noticed that this talk does is that it forces us to really look at the text to um, get to know the heart of God and the character of God. Mm. Um, And I think one of the things you mentioned earlier is especially when it comes to the reform side, um, if you're just looking on paper, like who's got more verses to back up kind of their, their position. um, It seems to be that the reformed kind of understanding actually has, um, if we're just quantitatively um, has more verses to back up. um, But, But scripture, that's not the only thing that scripture talks about. Uh, And so there's all these other verses that talk about and reveal who God is Mm -hmm. and his character and how he's interacted with us. And um, so that gets to inform this discussion as well. Um, and I found that that actually is, ends up being really super fruitful, right. is that as we're jumping into this, like you've referred to like this, this pool and stuff, as we're jumping into the, the foreknowledge pool, um, inevitably we draw closer to the heart of God. Right. Um, and we can, in doing so, and I think this is, this for me, this is key. This is the way that I teach. Um, it, it's It's... I think of our spouses. Uh, I think about relationships that we're in, that the, the more we draw closer to that other person and know their heart, yeah. the more some of the things that they say or their actions begin to make sense as we use their own heart to um, interpret what they're doing. Right. Uh, and, and so within that, right, like as we're looking at God's foreknowledge, um, I think some of us, uh, when we first think about like God, especially when it comes to kind of the, the determination, kind of fatalistic kind of view that God is like just controlling absolutely everything, mm-hmm. Um it it freaks us out um, because we maybe we're missing out on like the goodness of God, mm. uh, and so to think of anybody controlling everything, um, and reconciling that with their own goodness doesn't sound. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Like it kind of it exposes that tension, and so even that it's like well let's let's go look about let's go look at his goodness. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And then so how do how do we look at foreknowledge? in light of his goodness right. yep. or does that make sense? Yeah.
0: And yeah. I, I think that that's, that's really like in our classes, we talk a lot about metanarrative and what's right. the entire story of right. scripture. And I think that we need to, yes, we need to exegete well and look at the, the scriptures in particular and say exactly what is trying to be communicated and look at etymology and do word studies and those sorts of things. Um, but on the flip side, we also sometimes need to zoom out and look at the big picture of what the story is about. Yep. Cause that can provide a frame of reference that allows us to navigate, um, maybe the evil in the world and the, the existence of time and allows us to focus on, okay, well God is in his redemptive activity of restoring Shalom. Um, and what does it look like for us to participate in that? Whether he is causing us to or not, um, we get to participate in it. Yeah. Um, That's pretty rad. Yeah. And
1: we get to have these discussions about it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, The other thing that I, I fear with this talk, um, and, um, I have this, this old homeboy, his name's Soren. Uh, I think there's a
0: slash through his O.
1: Yes, yeah. I don't what know what that it? means. I was going to say umlaut, but those are the dots, right? Yeah, I don't know what it is. So Kierkegaard, um, the father of Christian existentialism, um, he he has a few quotes <laughs> that I really I like. Yeah. Um, but one of them, he talks, and you know, I'm, I'm going to mess up the quote, but basically he 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 says like, "Oh, precious academia, how you keep us uh, you keep us from actually interacting with the gospel." Mm. Um, one one of my My fears of these deep um, philosophical, theological, um, ongoing discussions is that, like, meanwhile, like, things are happening around us. Mm. And meanwhile, people are, you know, starving down the street and hungry. And so I I, I don't think Kierkegaard is saying that we we go and just serve people and, and meet everybody's needs or maybe we do social justice at the expense of academia. Um, But I did, I have noticed, I mean, I noticed here on this campus, there's some kids that were like quasi obsessed with this topic, like to the point that it stunted their growth and their Christian growth uh, in other areas. You know what I mean? And so even, even that as teachers, how we, man, do we spend the, the allotted time, like, do we notice when, like, okay, this is overkill. Like, let's let's go do something else with students. Let's talk about something else. Like, let's – does that make sense? Yep. Um, I, I found myself being somewhat, uh, like, obsessed with this topic two mm-hmm. years ago when I started here. Part of it was probably ego. I wanted to be able to, mm-hmm. like, answer the questions for the students when they asked. Um, but, man, like, you, you can get sucked into this. Like, any – especially on online, right? You right. Can just, <laughs> if, if you're in for it, go just – go on YouTube and – type in predestination and just see how far the rabbit trail goes. You know what I mean? And so meanwhile, we have to also like work this out and live it out. Right. Right. And I think that that, that's (laughs) an important point is that part of figuring out
0: a lot of my insight into uh, like the whole free will predestination conversation has come not from having the actual conversation, but from living life and then occasionally having the conversation in light of the new data that I've acquired through studying scripture or trying to relate with God or talking to students about things or serving or running ministries or um, in light of those things, then like new things pop up. I mean, there, there was very little in my heart that really resonated with Calvinism um, (laughs) until like really working with students um, and then realizing the pastoral approach of, of Calvin and how he was like, yeah, Hey, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to woo them. You just speak truth, mm. and so when the student like that hates God, and I'm trying everything I can, Calvin speaks so much life into me because I'm like, mm. yeah, yeah, that, it's not
1: it's not your responsibility. Yeah,
0: like it, it, mm. I'll do my best and I'll be faithful and do, my, but like if that kid doesn't want Jesus, like, yeah. I I can't be his didn't Holy Spirit. Fail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I I think that it's and a isn't lit- that what
1: sp- Scripture I mean, isn't that the point of right. this text that we that we read is to constantly read it, to constantly evaluate what it means right. to me to constantly be talking about it with you. Yeah. Right? And and to constantly <laughs> do those things. Not hopefully
0: this isn't a dangerous thought. Not because the Bible is an end in and of itself, but because the Bible is God's word to us so that we can communicate with him. Yeah. Right? Like God yeah. is the is the end. Yeah. Right. Having a relationship with God is the end. The Bible itself is not the end. Like I grew up in a church that was probably as close to sola scriptura as you can be. Um, but I know that the purpose of the Bible is to draw us into the divine, yeah. and so if if we just
1: affirm the Wesleyan quadrilateral, I might have
0: awesome. <laughs> but yeah, if we <laughs> if if we are using uh, the debate as the end, right, um, then we're missing the whole point. Totally right? missing the, the point. Yeah. The whole point is, and we've is, seen those. Yeah, exactly. Again,
1: You can Google that. You, yep. you can search for those. Yeah, and
0: you can and you can see, honestly, like some ugly co- Christian conversation on the two sides of this, like with name-calling, which is the exact opposite of what the community faith is <laughs> yeah, supposed to totally. be doing.
1: My favorite, uh, when it gets really, like when it's really going, one of my favorite videos to show two years ago with that group in particular, um, N.T. Wright, who, who, you know, yeah. is a pretty, pretty solid yeah. theologian. He gets asked this question. It's on YouTube. He gets asked this question, and his response basically is like, oh, you Americans, so he's, he's Anglican, right? Yeah. Uh, you Americans, you guys really seem to care about this topic. Yeah. And I, I love that. Cause it yeah. was just like, he wasn't totally writing it off, but he, he was kind of saying like, there's other things to talk about, right? You know? So fun discussion, wrestle, have fun. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I don't mean that rudely against anybody. If this is your passionate topic, right. I mean, it's not mine, yeah. you know, uh, obviously, but, um, if this is your passion, topic, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you or, 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 tell you to, you know, find your identity elsewhere. Um, but know how to effectively communicate your passion and right. know that other people might not. And yeah. And, and maybe that's the the main takeaway we,
0: we leave this conversation with is that if you are going to have this conversation, if you're going to swim in these waters, um, make sure that you're having it in such a way that, that increases shalom, yeah. that increases depth of knowledge, that increases intimacy with God, not just for yourself, but for those who are around you, for the rest of the Christian family as well.
1: Yeah. If you, if you can, if you can share effectively and communicate effectively, like that tension built into to to the different camps, mm-hmm. um, it should, if we're doing our job, even just decent, it should port, point us again at just the, the bigness, and the, the mystical side of God like that, we just don't fully get it. But man, right. is it fun to wrestle, right? right? And so if we can frame it in such a way that it's fun to wrestle with this and it's good and it draws us closer to knowing God and interacting with God. Awesome. If yep. people walk away from this thinking, I need to decide what camp I'm in and my salvation, my entire worldview is yes. is, is wrapped up in it, then we as teachers probably presented it incorrectly, yep. especially if we're doing that with teenagers. Yep. So,
0: may you guys wade and play and splash in these waters in a way that actually brings joy to the family of God.